There is a God-shaped hole that we shove drugs in. We shove alcohol in it. We shove sex and lust in it. We shove, we shove movies in it. We shove social media in it. We shove our cell phones and tablets. Trying to feel it. It's always been that way. It's not just in this generation. We just have more things to feed it. It has been in the nature of man from the beginning. The very first sin was a narcissistic sin. Why did he let me eat everything else and didn't let me eat that? He told me I have dominion, so that's mine too. So he ate the fruit. Kids, you ever heard the story of Adam and Eve? You ever heard the story of Adam and Eve? Raise your hand if you ever heard it. Adam and Eve, the story of Adam and Eve, that's called the first sin. That's when Eve ate something and took something that she was never supposed to have because it belonged to God. Can I get an amen? That's a different type of preaching, but I'm talking right now. I've already been preaching for an hour and a half. I'm just talking now. So you know what, the, what hit me this, this week? And, I, and I'm going to actually go very fast. And I'm, I want to keep you all here because I'm not going to preach a sermon. I'm going to share my heart on something. Then I'm going to pray for you. And then I'm going to let you go. Until tonight. You remember last week, I preached about the man that was healed at the gate called Beautiful. Do you remember when... Uh, Peter said, silver and gold have I none. I ain't got it. I ain't got no money. But I do have something. Because I know you need something. I know there's a, there's a God-shaped hole in there. You think what you need can be found in that little jar that you're shaking that people's dropping money in. But I see beyond that need. I know what you really need. And I've got it. Here's what I've got. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk. What, 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 what? Did you hear me, boy? I said, get up. What, what, what? Okay. I guess I'm supposed to be involved. So he reaches down and grabs him where he's at. Do you know what the church has been doing for years and years and years? We've been speaking to the world. We've been telling them that we have what they need. And they've got a blank stare on their face like, you ain't got nothing I need. I'm happier than you. I drive a nicer car than you. I live in a bigger house than you. And you want to tell me that you've got something that I need? The reason we've missed it is we... Hmm, we, because I don't ever want to negate the power of prayer. We have rustled everything into, well, let's pray about it. And that's all we ever do is pray about it. Number, number one, we pray about it. And number two, prayer is supposed to be time spent where you can also hear from God. We just tell God what we want God to do and then we go on with our life. But here's the problem. God says that, this is that who actually, who, the Holy Spirit that's on your life. I've empowered you by the power of the Holy Spirit. Young people, that's you too. Kids, that's you too. God's spirit, but you just felt moving. That's the Holy Spirit on your life. 
that he says, I want you to reach down to your friends, to reach down to your neighbors where they're at and say, I'm not here to tell you I got something better than you got in the natural. I'm here to tell you I, there is a peace. that in the, If there's anything this nation needs, we need peace. We need a settled mind. So he got up, he starts jumping and dancing. He's holding on to Peter and John. He goes into the temple, and I ain't got time to read it. It's in it's the last part of Acts chapter 3. And the Bible says throngs of people followed him to this place called Solomon's Porch, which was a, in, the, in the place where the Gentiles would reside. But that was the first place that early Christians would gather before they were scattered among different people. And they were all there. And they were, pre they were watching Peter and John, but more than anything, they had their eyes fixed on this man who they had seen for years and years and years lame. And now he's not just standing, he's dancing, he's jumping, he's shouting. And all of a sudden, the Bible says the crowd's attention moves from the man to Peter and John. Go read it. The Bible says, and they begin to lock eyes and gaze and stare at them. And Peter felt it. You ever just felt somebody looking at you? He felt it. And the Bible says he turns. Now, listen to what he says. Why do you marvel at this? I see the look on your face. And why do you look at me? As if I had anything to do with this. In other words, miracles are supposed to be normal to you. You are the Jewish people. You've seen the Jordan part. You've seen walls come down. You've seen lepers healed. You've heard stories passed down for generations to where the dead was raised. Plagues were sent, locusts, flies, lakes and bodies of rivers turned into blood. And you're amazed that God has the power to raise up somebody who couldn't walk and now he's walking? And you think I'm some kind of magician that's tricked you, some kind of sorcerer? Miracles had become so foreign to the people of God that they had become nothing but stories. Are you hearing me? They were dry. It was a dry church. It was a dead church. Peter begins to preach to them, and I believe it or not, it's going to shock y'all. I'm coming to a close. Peter began to preach. Peter began to preach. He begins to lay out the things of Jesus Christ. He says, this is the one that when Pilate, this is what he says in Acts chapter 2, when Pilate was getting ready to release him as an innocent man, he was put before you and you denied him his freedom and chose a murderer, Barabbas. He's laying it on the line to them. You were used by the devil. That our Savior would be beaten with a whip, stripped down, a crown of thorns stuck into his head, a spear stuck in his side, 
nails drove in his hands and his feet and hanging on a cross. You're the ones that said crucify him. There's blood on your hands. You want to stand here and judge me and judge this? Listen to what he says. But you have denied the Holy One and the just. And asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And killed the Prince of Life. Whom God raised from the dead. Of which we are witnesses. Watch this. And his name through faith in his name. Has made this man strong. Whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Mm. Yet now, brethren, I know that you did it in ignorance. And as did also your rulers. But those things which God foretold by the mouth of his prophets that the Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. In other words, all you were really doing was what your parents taught you to do. They stopped talking about the true messianic prophecies. And somewhere down the line, they turned the coming Messiah into some kind of king that when he comes, he's going to have a scepter and a sword and he's going to destroy all of Israel's enemies. Your fathers and your grandfathers created a Messiah, an image of a Messiah that is not in Scripture. And Peter begins to lay out the Scriptures that detail the Messiah. He was wounded for our transgressions. Come on, somebody. This ain't in Acts, but this is what he preached on. He was wounded. Come on. He was beaten beyond recognition like a lamb to the slaughter. Over and over and over again, he spoke not a word. But I know you did it in ignorance. Your leaders, Caiaphas, Pilate, when he washed his hands, everything that happened to that point that brought him to that cross. Yeah, you were involved. But under the anointing of the Lord, I wanted to know that I know you did it out of ignorance. We got an ignorant country. Spiritually ignorant. We are smarter but dumber. We have more intelligence, I mean more technology, but less intelligence. See, isn't it just like the devil to trick us into calling our phone a smartphone? Because it has just made us dumb. It's made us so dumb. Me and my wife were working on something last night, and I needed to convert inches to feet and then every single time she'd call out inches I'd say hey Google how many feet is 52 inches I mean my, I, because my mind and I just like Google did all my calculations for me I'm dumb my smartphone has made me dumb but you know what else technology has done it has caused us to separate ourselves from the presence of God we are so sight-driven. 
Used to, the way you calmed the baby was you picked them up, you talked to them, maybe a pacifier. Now you put them in a pumpkin seat and sit them in front of the TV. Now you have kids who in my generation was still learning how to put his hand on a little car and go you're going to them saying to your three-year-old can you turn this on for me for papa and there you go over you say what are you doing over you've been on that thing forever they're they're four and five years old what have you been doing you look over there they are literally building a city and you're like, Papa, you want to try it? Yeah, let me try it. No. Am I right? Now listen. Remember that this is close number two. Remember the pattern? You remember the pattern? John the Baptist. What did he say? Say it loud. Say it loud. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand, right? At hand. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's upon you. Baptized. Jesus was baptizing. He comes down. Jesus is baptized by him. He comes down off the mountain after fighting the devil. The Bible says he comes down. This is key. In power. This is that. John was baptized with the Holy Ghost from his mother's womb. In power. So we see power drives the message of repentance. Jesus comes off the mountain in power. And the very first words he says when he comes off the mountain is in your Bible is repent. For the kingdom of heaven is upon you. Three and a half years he does his ministry. We're following a pattern here. He says, listen, all this is great. I'm raised from the dead. He shows himself for 40 days that he's alive. He says, but I'm about to go sit by my father. But here's the thing, what's going to happen when I get to my father. You need to go wait for the promise of the, of the father because you don't know it yet. But it, you have to have that in your life in order to do what I've told you that you're going to do. So Acts chapter 2 happens. The Holy Ghost is poured out. Peter stands up and says, these men are not drunk as you suppose. It's 9 o'clock in the morning. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joe. And he goes on and he begins to speak. And you remember last week I, or two weeks ago, I said first things first. And that was this. Before he ever taught them how to come into the kingdom of God, he preached to all the thousands that was drawn to, to him from, from the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. He said, uh, Repent. Peter said, repent. You see the pattern? And he said, be, repent and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And 3,000 people were saved. In one day. In six hours, the Holy Ghost fell. The church was established. 3,000 people gave their life to Christ. And in less than six hours, we're here. A man who's been lame, not from birth, not was dropped, not was in a car wreck, but from his mother's womb. He came out into this world with no ability for his legs to move. And now not only are they moving, he is jumping and dancing and rejoicing. So Peter lays it out. He don't pull no punches, does he? He gets right to the point. He says, listen, you got to understand something. You're going to have to own up and take some ownership. Can I tell you all 2,000 years later, you still need to take some ownership. You nailed him to the cross. Your sins, because remember Jesus said, I don't, really, I don't just pray this prayer for, for this generation. I pray this prayer for everyone who will ever come after me and believe in my name. So therefore, what he starts saying, he said, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So he's trying to tell us when he died on the cross, he didn't die on the cross for his disciples. He died on the cross for humanity. 
So if he died on the cross for your sins, your sins put him there. So that message that Peter preached to those in the crowd there, he is still preaching to you and to me. See, an alcoholic can't get delivered till he realizes he has a problem with alcohol. Whatever addiction, pornography, whatever it is, until you admit, I got a problem, you cannot be set free. Right? So until you can't be saved until you understand and fully realize that you need to be saved. You can't be forgiven until you fully understand that you have sinned. So here's the generational problem that we have. Nobody in the church thinks they need to be forgiven anymore because nobody's preaching that they've sinned. Why do you need to be forgiven for something that you don't think you've done? So we've raised a church that is powerless. But the reason it's powerless is they've not followed the pattern of God. In fact, you have some that have great church services, great music, dancing and shouting, but nobody's getting saved. They're just having a manifestation. They're just having a country club party. But I got up this morning when all this was happening on the news, and I just said, my God, if there was ever a message, if there was ever a word that's on time, it's right now. The season that we're in, God, you have, you have put us in a season to try to prepare us for this moment. Are y'all hearing me? When you go to work tomorrow, there are people that are going to be hurting, confused, you have got to have the answer. Now, you don't walk in, bless God, every one of you is going to go to hell. I'm having an altar call right now. Come and repent. You're going to burn in hell. I can smell the fires of burning in hell right now. You're so close. How many of you ain't going to get much done that way? You, lo- you love them. You build relationships. With them. Well, watch what Peter said. Closing, I'm skipping all the way to number six, number of man. He says right after all of that, you did it out of ignorance. I know your your rulers did it out of ignorance. But here's the key. Verse 19. What's that first word? Shout it loud. Repent. Do you see the pattern? In other words, no matter what you have done, I'm telling you, you cannot be accused of doing a greater sin than being said directly to your face, you murdered the Messiah. I understand that was a message for all humanity, but those people were being told by Peter, he was brutally beaten because of you. Now, we, uh, we understand it now. We say, of course, we knew our sin. But they took it personal. Oh, my God, I have killed the Messiah. Even though he was alive, I put him through that. You cannot feel worse than those people felt. You cannot feel uh, rejected and want to walk out and just, quite frankly, let's just be graphic. Take yourself out because... I mean, how much more depressed can you be than to be standing there listening to a preacher preach and hear the preacher tell you, you are the reason that he went through everything he went through. And right in the midst of it, he says, but I know you're dry. I know you're tired. I know you're parched. I know you're thirsty. Repent, therefore, and be what? 
Say it loud. Converted. That your sins may be blotted out. Wait a minute. Take that off the screen. Blotted out. Blotted out. Do you understand what blotted out means? Remember what I said? Peter, take that off the screen. Peter said, repent and be converted. And he said, be baptized. He said, repent and be baptized in the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. Remember what I told you about remission? Remission means pardon completely taken away and the penalty of which you were the judge said you're supposed to have, you, it has been wiped clean and you are justified just if I'd never sinned. Nobody can even bring it up. There's not even a record of it. So he told the people, you murdered him. But when you repent and you are converted, meaning you completely do the real thing instead of just saying the words, I will not just forgive you of your sins. I will blot out your sins. Erase them. And then look what it says. So, what's the next word? That. You just got to know every time I see that or us now, I'm always focusing in on it. So that. Somebody say this is that. So that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. How many needs to be refreshed? Make some noise in this house. How many needs the times of refreshing? <laughs> Woo! Closing number seven. That's the number of completion. That's it. The plane landing gear is out. <laughs> we just touched down. I'm, I'm seeing Coca-Cola in my window right now. Because I know I just landed in Birmingham. Now, you need to understand something. See, some of y'all think that refreshing just means I'm thirsty. Ah, a good cold drink of water. It's refreshing. Ah, don't y'all wish y'all had some? I can give you some. I can give you some. I can give you some. Y'all want some? I'll give you, I'll give you, I'll splash a little bit on you. Y'all knew that was about to come, didn't you? I ran in there last night. I was looking over my notes. I was looking over my notes heavy on Saturday night. And I ran in there to my wife. I said, you, hey, I got to tell you something. I got to tell you something. She said, what is it? I said, I don't know how many times I've preached on the times of refreshing, but my God, I just saw something going over my notes I've never seen before. She's like, she's, she's, Listen, this ain't her first row there. She's heard me do that a thousand times. She's like, okay, give it to me. You know, <laughs> you was a little more excited than that. Okay. I said, baby, I don't know why. All the times that I've preached on the times of refreshing, I've never actually looked up the word refreshing in the Strong's Concordance to see the Greek word for it. I looked it up. And y'all know I, have, I struggle with saying Greek words, okay? So just this is, a, this is an Alabama boy trying to speak Greek. Just remember that, okay? Anapsis. Not a nap, sister. But that's the way it sounds. Anapsis. But watch this. This is the definition of refreshing in your Strong's Concordance, if you want to look it up. Two, one phrase and one word 
describes it, and that's it. The very first definition is a recovery of breath. Huh? Have you ever had the breath knocked out of you? To where you literally are convinced this is it, I'm dead. I cannot, I cannot breathe. Do you understand? That when you are running and you are tired and you are just like he was the other day when he was running after me, he was about to die. He couldn't catch this old man. You know, that's a perfect example. You'll never live that down. <sighs> Pastor, don't run. I'm tired. Now. I know he was just kidding. He was just messing with me. He can't. <laughs> but how many of you... How many of us, when you're running after something or from something, you breathe a lot heavier when you're running from something. But when you finally get a place, what do you say things? You'll say things like, let me catch my breath. It's almost like you, you, you sound like you're saying, I, I got to run him down and catch him. But what you're saying is, I need a moment to get more oxygen. That's why you see on the sidelines of football games, people... With oxygen mask on in between plays. It's not that they got, you know, OCD. Is that what's, no, I got OCD. What's it called? What? COP. Not OCD. <laughs> I got OCD. That paper's driving me crazy. Give me oxygen. I need oxygen. Has no one seen that piece of paper but me on this front row? Huh? No one? You did. If you're ever hearing again and you see that piece of paper, I'm releasing you to go get it, son. These adults are driving me crazy. And I've got news for you right now. This is driving me insane as well. All right, there we go. Now, now I can finish my sermon. Now, 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 now. You may have OCD. You may have COP. You may have POC. I don't know what you got. But don't you think it's time for you to catch your breath? Don't you think it's time for some spiritual oxygen? The reason they put that mask on them is there's still a game to be played. And they don't know how quick that player's got to get back out there. And if it was up to the player, he'd just say, just let me sit here for a minute. I need to rest and I'll be okay. But the coach is looking at him and saying, you ain't got a minute. It's fourth down right now. They may get a first down, but they may not. If they don't get the first down, you're back on the field now. Get as much of this as you can get. That's what I do every Sunday morning. It's God hooks me up to some Holy Ghost breath because the Holy Spirit, the word spirit is the word pneuma, and it means breath. The Holy Spirit is the breath of God. So the times of refreshing is a, is a new breathing in of the Holy Spirit. You're winded. You're wore out. It's time to catch your breath. It's time for the church to catch their breath. It's time for the church to be refreshed. But now that was exciting to me. But I could not believe the next word that was in my strong concordance. First definition was to catch your breath. 
a recovery of breath. But literally right there, comma, the second definition is this word. Revival. What? Check me. I don't preach it unless I can back it up. To catch your breath, comma, revival. I was like, are you kidding me? Preachers have put it on their signs. They've made posters. We've cried out for it. And all along, it's been right there. The only way we get it is repent, be converted, and take it in because revival is here. We don't need a preacher to be a shiny shoe preacher. We don't need spotlights. We don't need LED lights. We don't need smoke. We don't need video. We don't need giant. What we need is some people to repent. What we need is some people to be converted and that's all it takes, God says. And then you shall partake of the times of refreshing. Wait a minute. That will come from the presence of the Lord. I'm not talking about. See, if he didn't have that last part up there come from the presence of the Lord, this is what it would sound like to this church, the modern church, and maybe even some people in this church. Ooh, I'll feel good. And my pastor will feel good. We, when things go wrong, we give the preacher too much blame. When things are going good, we give him too much credit. Because here's the ultimate thing you got to understand. What is happening in your life, in your spirit walk, I didn't do that for you. I was used by God to maybe help equip you, but you have to walk out your own faith. But we've turned preachers into celebrities. If the American church rewrote this scripture, it'd be like, first of all, we've we got to get rid of repent. We're going we're gonna to go with, you know, you need to admit that you it needs to have a relationship with a higher power. Be converted. Now, we don't want to make people think that they got to, you know, leave their religion and all that. So we, we don't want to be accused of preaching hate speech. So, you know, God is love and we have many paths to God. So as long as you have a God that you serve and you're a part of a religion and you pray to your God, uh, you know, whatever your faith is. We've changed relationship to God to the word faith now. We've so misused faith. You hear people say, I'm a person of faith. What do you got faith in? I got faith when I drive down the road that 18 wheeler ain't going to come over the line and hit me. I got faith he's going to stay on his side. I don't, I don't care that you got faith, you're a person of faith. Do you have faith in the word of God? Do you have faith in Jesus Christ? Let's get rid of repentance. Let's get rid of converted. Let's just say, you know, feel good about yourself. And then your sins. got to get rid of sins because, you know, I don't want to think of myself as that way. I'm, I mean, I, I'm, I want to change that to uh, my downfalls. My struggles. Let's, that's struggles, yeah. So, so let's, uh, let's feel sorry. Let's feel emotional and be loving to everyone so that our remorse and our missteps may be blotted. Now, I do like blotted out. I'm completely out. Yeah, I don't want nobody to uh, like. Let's keep that. So that the times, oh, I love the word of God. So the times of refreshing may come from Pastor Larry's message and his book. 
See, God made sure he anointed Peter to say, when you are refreshed, when you catch your breath, when you experience revival, it don't come from me. It don't come from anybody. It only comes from the Lord. I'm through. Are you, wait a minute. Delane, wait a minute. Delane knows it better be good to interrupt me during preaching. And when he, I thought he's praising God, but he's trying to get my attention to help, to help me preach. Wait a minute. I told you last week when the Bible says that the man held on to Peter and, and John, that that was the only time that Greek word was used in the entire Bible. Which one? You talking about refreshing? The oh, you time tell me that the word that I just read, the definition is to catch your breath and revival is only used one time in Acts 3.19 in the entire Bible. Somebody give God a shout right now. I'm telling you, I didn't even know that. That's insane, y'all. It's almost as if God was saying in one verse, I'm going to sum up everything you need to know about how to get to God. You want revival? Acts 3.19. Huh? Some of y'all need to have a small group called 319. I ain't kidding. Just call it 319. People are like, 319, do y'all meet at 319? Oh, yeah, we meet at 319. Three, every, every minute is 319 at 319. What? You just have to come and see. Because you can walk in, we're going to tell you to repent and be converted. Y'all receive this? Do you, do you, I hope that I preached this in a way that it didn't feel like I was con, a con, condemning message. So that's why people don't, are, preachers are afraid to preach on repentance because they're afraid to sound like they're being condemning. It's not being condemning to preach the good news. The God, this is good news. To the, to, don't you know it was good news? When you stood there and you were curious and you were drawn and you were already feeling remorse and you heard a man say, you murdered the Messiah that all of us has been waiting on. It's one thing for him to die, but he was beaten, he was crucified, and he was tortured by your words. Now, is it good news to hear, but if you'll just repent, admit that you sinned, be converted, everything you've ever done against God will be wiped out. And right now, before you go home, you'll catch your breath and revival's going to break out in your family. How, is that good news? Is that good news? If you're addicted, here's good news. Repent and be converted. Your sins will be blotted out. If you're addicted to crack cocaine, guess what? God can deliver you from crack cocaine, but it starts at repent. 